Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Good morning. It is Thursday, September 28th. It's five minutes after 10. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So there was a show on TV last night. I, I watched it. I felt like it was a rerun. Like, I've seen this show before. <laughs> of course, we're talking about the GOP debate. Seven candidates for president faced off. It was the second time. They were in Simi Valley, California. Donald Trump, who was the front runner, was absent. The first debate kind of seemed to put Vivek Ramaswamy on the map, and it seemed to help Nikki Haley a bit. Many people uh, today saying that Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis performed very well. To me, Nikki Haley seemed like um, she seemed angry for part of the time, but she did give some quality answers specifically about education. Uh, Ron DeSantis talking about his modest roots and his uh, time in the military, I thought did very well for him. Uh, Tim Scott, to me, did not really have much of a breakthrough. Vivek came across as kind of insulting and lecturing. And uh, Chris Christie, while he wanted to do was fight Trump. There were a couple other guys there. Doug Burgum was there. He had one great answer. And, of course, Mike Pence was there, and he had one of the more cringe-worthy moments, in my opinion. It was a colossal waste of your time, is what you're saying, <laughs> right? If I could only have those two hours back. But you knew it was going to be. We tried to tell you the last one was a colossal waste of your time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? It's part of what we get paid for, to be informed and to know these things. I do not get paid to enact <laughs> self-torture. <laughs> Too much for you? Look, I got roped into watching that thing last night because I knew what it was going to be. But my wife lied and said my baby wanted to watch the <laughs> debate. So what am I going to be like? No, we can't do it. So we did. And it was sure. it was just as awful as I knew it was going to be. I mean, I could have not watched any of that and my life would have been markedly better, Casey. It was just too, it, it, is, it is as if someone said, here, Rob, watch as two hours of your life is flushed down the drain. OK, so give me your top two. Who did you think performed the best? Trump? <laughs> and Dana Perino until the very Dana end. Dana Perino, <laughs> I guess. Until the very I, end. I, there is no winner. They're all losers. I mean, it, it's like, I guess I thought DeSantis was by far the most professional, mm-hmm. but he took 15 minutes to answer a single question, and that's not his fault because he was a moron and decided to play by the rules and not just shout over everyone and wait until he was called on. But it's like... Nobody got anything out of that. They started fighting about drapes at the... They did a curtain gate. I just... It just was a... Just, I mean, the Republican Party is a joke. Ronald McDaniel is awful. The The party is in shambles. The, the fact that they would allow this to go on, you know, they just... They don't have the guts to just tell people you're losers and you can't win goodbye. They should have narrowed it down to four people and you set up really strict ground rules and... You know, you know what the best debate I think I ever saw was, and the one I got the most out of, and and I'm being serious with this. In 2020, when they had the governor's debate, uh, they were—I can't remember how, how it worked. Like Woody Myers was scared to be in a room with other people or something because of COVID, 
So in order to have the debate, I'm, I think this is how it went down. Uh, if I got this wrong and Woody Myers was not scared to be in a room with people, and that's why they did it this way, Woody Myers' campaign can let me know. But the Democrat, Woody Myers, didn't want to be in a room with other people. So they had each of the candidates in like their own room. Mm-hmm. And so they were all on a screen together, but they couldn't talk over each other. They had to buzz if they wanted to respond they had to, to ring someone. In. And then they had to, you know, physically turn the microphone on. Otherwise, they could have just been talking and no one would have heard them. And they actually got a whole lot accomplished in that debate because they couldn't talk over each other. Were there answers in the form of a question? Uh, The thing I remember (laughs) about that debate was poor Rainwater was so nervous and was sweating profusely and looked like a tomato. (laughs) Maybe his room was hot. But I thought he gave the best answers in the debate because I could actually hear him. Okay, well, let's get to some of the answers. Uh, These are some of the more cringeworthy moments. Of course, we're going to save the most cringeworthy uh, till later in the show. But here's Chris Christie needing a lesson in nicknames. And Donald Trump should be here to answer for that, but he's not. And I want to look at that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching, okay? And you're not here tonight, not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. All right. So he was just a, let me tell you something, mean Gene, short of being an actual Hulk Hogan promo. You're afraid to be up here. No, you guys are jokes and losers. And he was like, why would I subject myself to this? I can go to Michigan by myself. And actually be with voters. Yeah, like it's just like Christy is ridiculous. He's ridiculous, Casey. The only reason he's running is so that he can go on the stage and rip on Donald Donald Trump. Donald Duck. Dude, <laughs> he looked straight into the camera and delivered that line. Okay, so Donald Duck, a new nickname. I did see another nickname. This was oh, online. This was not something that was said in the debate. But there was a clip of Ron DeSantis getting makeup mm-hmm. pre-debate, and somebody started calling him Rhonda Santis. Oh, jeez. Okay, so let's go back to another moment from Chris Christie. He's talking about Joe Biden and sleeping with a member of a teacher's union. They are taking the worst of their members and defending them rather than advocating for our kids. And when you have the president of the United States sleeping with a member of the teachers union, there is no chance that you could take the stranglehold away from the teachers union every day. So that's what we're getting into. But Mike Pence. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. Oh, no. He had an answer for it. Oh, no. Full disclosure from Mr. Pence. My wife uh, isn't a member of the teachers union, but I got to admit, I've I've been sleeping with a teacher for 38 years. And uh, full disclosure. Did you want that visual? Can you think of anything more that would do more long-term damage to your brain. Like, I am surprised I could even function as a human. I am surprised I was even able to remember how to get to work today and operate an automobile. Did you have that image in your mind? There is nothing more terrifying than the thoughts of Mike and Karen Pence being intimate together. (laughs) Okay. Well, those are some highlights for you. Good morning. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Okay. Look, Casey, when we come back, (laughs) we've got to talk about something positive because it's 
It's been all negative so far today, and we're not going <laughs> to let these politicians get us down. So tomorrow is the Ryder Cup. Yeah. As you know. I know. I have I have already set the parameters that uh, I will be waking up at 1.30. It's in Rome. The dude was so sweet, he offered to come in tomorrow. <laughs> he was like... Does Rob just want to take the day off? Do you want me to come in and do the show with you? So I'll be getting up 1.30. Uh, it's in Rome. I will watch. It is the biggest golf event in the world. It is every other year. It's the USA against Europe. And uh, as such, you know the ground rules. And same <laughs> ground rules during the major golf tournaments. Uh, I will be here in physical form. Uh, you'll be eating about 25% effort, but 25% of me is better than 100% of anybody they would have as a fill-in. That's why I felt obligated to be here. Okay. Uh, so in honor yep. of the Ryder Cup tomorrow, Indianapolis, Central Indiana, actually got a huge announcement that will have a huge impact on the area economically and otherwise involving uh, a golf in a major, major golf tournament is coming to Central Indiana at a very historic and famous course here in Central Indiana. Crooked Stick is getting the 2028 U.S. Senior Open. That is a huge deal. will have a huge economic impact. And Hank Thompson, who is the director of that big, big, big tournament, is mm-hmm. going to join us next to talk all about it. Why'd they choose Indianapolis? Why'd they choose Crooked Stick? What does it mean for the area? All sorts of things. Because, well, Casey, mm-hmm. in about an hour and a half, I am checking out for good. <laughs> all right. We're going to speak with him coming up from 93 WIBC. Eighteen minutes after 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So the U.S. Senior Open, one of the five major championships in senior golf, introduced 43 years ago in 1980. It's administered by the United States Golf Association, recognized as a major championship by both the PGA Tour champions and the European Senior Tour. Yes, and a big announcement coming out yesterday, or two days ago, I guess now, that the U.S. Senior Open in 2028... And look, nobody's obligated to play, but I'm just pointing out, given his age, that by 2028, Tiger Woods will be on the uh, eligible for the senior tour. The USGA has announced that the U.S. Senior Open for the second time is coming back to Crooked Stick in Carmel. Crooked Stick, one of the more famous golf courses in the country, most known for where John Daly famously won the PGA in 1991. And it is coming back to Crooked Stick in 2028. So to talk about this why they chose Crooked Stick, why Indianapolis and Carmel was a, a great place to have the event. Uh, Hank Thompson joins us now on the WIBC Hotline. He is the Senior Director of the U.S. Senior Open. Hank, why did you guys choose Crooked Stick for the 2028 U.S. Senior Open? Uh, good morning. Well, I, I think um, you can look back at Crooked Stick's um, history in the game and the different championships they've had, and we're, we're fortunate to say we've this will be our seventh USGA championship at Crooked Stick. So certainly the golf course is, is the first first thing that we look at with any of our championships. So um, certainly the work that, that Mr. Doak's done there recently and um, preparation for, for that golf course. But then you can also look at just your community. Um, the state of Indiana is the sports crazy uh, community. Um, clearly you've had some, some great events there recently. The, uh, the BMW was there not too long ago and just great crowds. 
And, you know, you look back at Fred Funk's victory back in 2009, and it was a fantastic championship with a lot of people coming out and, and taking part in, in, in the Senior Open then. So how much of it factors in when you guys are picking these golf courses? Because obviously this is the nation's championship for male golfers 50 and over. How much of it is there's such an iconic image in people's minds of a young John Daly with the mustache and the mullet. He's, he's chain-smoking. He's whipping it up as he goes down the, the 18th fairway. How much do you say, wow, this course is so entrenched in people's minds, people would love to see it back there because we can play that image of John Daly 10,000 times during the broadcast? Well, that's that's one of the first thing images that comes to my mind whenever I hear Crooked Stick, to be perfectly honest, even you know being a PGA championship. But um, a lot of us, for, for us, we focus on our championships and really – trying to find national champions, whether it's a U.S. Women's Open, a U.S. Open, or certainly a Senior Open, we our team really looks hard at the golf course and can the golf course provide a stern test and, and ultimately determine who that best player is that week. And historically, I think our championships in many cases finds players that not only are just that much better during that particular week, but for a period of time around that championship, whether they're rounding into form going into one of our championships or um, have been really good for many, many years, like a young man you mentioned earlier, Mr. Wood. So um, I think that's that's one of the things that we focus on first and foremost. And then once we get outside the ropes, we look at it from a, a fan perspective and can we build facilities um, to support the championship, whether it's uh, fan activation areas, obviously corporate hospitality, um, but then also to be able to to be able to bring people on site um, from off site, whether it's parking and transportation and the whole like. So it, it's it's a, a a very layered decision that is made, but it certainly starts inside the ropes and does a golf course meet what is needed to to determine a national champion. Hank, Hank Thompson is our guest. He's a senior director of the U.S. Senior Open, which has announced it's coming back to the Central Indiana area, Carmel Crooked Stick mm-hmm. in 2028. Casey, so you've announced the cities for 2026. Also. 2027 and now 2028 it seems like you guys are prepared way in advance is that how long it takes to put on an event like this well i think if you know we we like to try to announce as far out as we can but we can only do so but so far but even look at our u.s open championships we've got some some sites named out through 2040 and beyond um but realistically once we start the true planning for the championship it's you know anywhere from 18 to 24 months out whether it's setting up the facility and and the golf course outside the ropes to say this is where we want to have major activations and major elements involved but then also recruiting volunteers you know senior open um, we can range anywhere from 1200 to 2000 volunteers that are are needed to, to support the championship so you know, stuff like that takes a period of time, and it's not something that can be done overnight by any stretch of the imagination. So we do like to have that that, opportun- that opportunity to take our time, work through it, and make sure that uh, we're, we're well-planned for those that are coming. But then also to, to make sure people know that we are coming and that we will be in the neighborhood, so to speak, and hopefully people can get that on their calendars well in advance and hopefully be able to take part in our championships. Hank, take us through. So, like, Indianapolis had a Super Bowl. There's so much more to just, hey, we have a football team and a stadium. There's these big presentations. And, you know, uh, last time Indianapolis applied for one, Larry Bird drives the presentation in a in an Indy car up to the, up to the building to make the presentation. 
We're getting the All-Star game next year for the NBA. And and there's all this big stuff that goes in, millions of dollars spent in the presentations. How do you guys, does the city of Carmel make a presentation to you? Is it a central Indiana thing? What work goes into convincing you guys, hey, you want to be at our golf course? Yeah, no, it's, for us, for any of our championships, we first and foremost have to be invited. You know, you bring up the Super Bowl or major events like that to where maybe different cities are out there um, trying to sell themselves to have those those major events. We're a little bit different. Um, in this case, Cricket Stick came to the USGA and expressed some interest in, in hosting a championship. And then ultimately, when we kind of determine what championship might best fit at that particular club and golf course, then they basically invite us to do that. And um, after we've had an opportunity to come in and take a look at it, um, whether it's the club getting the support by the city, the state, to say, hey, we can support this and we're going to help the club to do this and help the championship to present it um, at an exemplary level, that's that's basically it. We we <laughs> I'm not certain any of our staff or any of our team would, would be best behind an Indy car by any stretch. Um, <laughs> but... Um, we we do we, we we do like to have a little bit of fanfare. We're probably a little bit more conservative in that regard, but um, it is something that we want to try to embed ourselves in the community. We do realize we have been invited and we are truly guests, not only at the club but in the community. And in the end, we want to be able to conduct a great championship and a great experience for those inside and outside the ropes. Uh, uh, with hey. the hopes. Yeah, Hank Thompson is our guest. He's a senior director of the U.S. Senior Open. It's going to be at Crooked Stick and Carmel in 2028. Casey. Hank, I'm wondering if you can speak about what sort of economic impact this brings to an area when you do travel to someplace. Sure. Um, we, I think a senior open is, is, it does attract people from outside a normal drive market, and obviously players being one of those key groups. But fans and so forth that are coming to follow some of the players that they followed during their their golf careers themselves we're probably looking in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 million dollar positive economic uh, impact for the week of the championship and it stretches out from the week a little bit because you'll have vendors that are there um, preparing the golf course setting up facilities that aren't just there for the week they're there for months in advance um, and then ultimately on the backside tearing things down um, as well so it's not just a seven-day event for some folks it is it's actually a, a 30-plus day event for many of our vendors that come in to, to set the championship up. You mentioned preparing the course. Do mm-hmm. you guys go into a course and say, okay, we need to move the move the hole, we need to move the green, we need to really clean it up? Like, what do you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hank, do you look at Crickets and go, this course stinks, we got to make some major changes to <laughs> we it. Gotta, Let's we got to clean this no, up. No, no, I think if, if we've announced that it's, we're going to bring a championship, it clearly doesn't stink by any stretch. But um, <laughs> that that's where my – my expertise, if I have any, kind of ends at it, that thin nylon rope. My my colleagues inside the ropes choose to keep me outside the ropes for many reasons. But um, ultimately, Ben Kimball, who's my colleague, he's our senior director, and he's responsible for the conduct of the championship and the golf course setup. He and his team will work with the team there at Cricket Stake in terms of agronomic practices leading up to it and potential course setup. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if um, when Mr. Doak came in and did some work, um, our, our team at the USJ was aware of it. Um, and kind of talking about what might be good for a championship. And there may be other um, groups um, there at Cricket Stick that have an interest in maybe trying to, to maybe green design or, or new tee locations that would be good, not just in distance, but also angles of play as well. So You, you probably have to take might... into account the television camera as well. Well, we do that after the fact. We work with our partners currently in BC to be able to go in and find – 
locations that will be best present the golf course and allow them to show the championship inside the road. So we, we actually work with them hand in hand to make sure that we don't plop a big grandstand down where they want a camera and vice versa. <laughs> All right, Hank, uh, we'll get you out of here with this. Uh, Casey and I would like uh, to be working at the U.S. Senior Open. We want to be those uh, really uh, – stone-faced people who hold the quiet signs up and then we can look disparagingly <laughs> at people if they don't uh, don't abide because don't don't those people have like arrest powers if people don't abide by the quiet you, you signs do. yes yeah you're you're deputized yes absolutely so awesome. we'll need we'll need the two of you and about a good four or five hundred more marshals to be out there to con- to make sure everybody has a great time so we'll definitely be in touch with you and let you know how you can sign up to volunteer in, in due time uh hank thompson senior director for the u.s senior open they've chosen crooked stick in carmel for 2028 hank we're super excited and appreciate you spending a few minutes with us to tell us about uh, this great golf tournament we're looking forward to it you're looking forward to getting there thanks for having me thanks hank you're listening to kendall and casey on 93 wibc I'm Rob Casey's here and join now as we are each week about the most beloved man in all of Indiana politics and government. Always a smile on his face. And while, why not? Things are always going up uh, great for him. 30 years in the Indiana Senate, the great Jim Merritt. Hello, my friend. Good morning. Did you watch that Republican debate last night? Yes, I did. Did you get anything out of it? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So say, no. There you go. I I, I will say that... uh, Nikki Haley is a fighter, uh, and and whenever you talk to uh, voters, you want a fighter. Uh, and I think that DeSantis kind of solidified things. And so, yeah, I, I I think I think some good came out of it. Uh, Vivek needs a haircut. Oh, sure, that was really high, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. He had very tall hair. Yeah, very tall, a lot of puff. Mm-hmm. Did do you think that that changed anybody's mind? Uh, probably not. I think people are pretty set in their ways, and and uh, I think I think when if there's another debate, and I think there probably is, and they get down to maybe four candidates, I think that's when things get interesting, and maybe Trump is included next time. Who would you say the four candidates that should be included are? I think you'll probably have Vivek because he's pulling well. I think you'll have. Uh, DeSantis, I think you'll, I think you'll have Governor Christie, and and uh, I think you'll have Nick, Nikki Haley. So so Pence and uh, Doug Burgum out. Yeah, I I think uh, good men, uh, great governors, but I think when it gets down to it, I think that that foursome right there uh, should kind of push themselves to the. Uh, Top of the ladder. Uh, you've known Pence for a long time. College. And you don't, uh, you're one of the few people who openly admits to being Mike Pence's friend these days. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Vice President Pence is a is a very decent, up. he's just upstanding. And, and, and some of the things uh, last night same, were a little same, cringe. Are we talking about the same guy? <laughs> I think you and I had very different experiences. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. But uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, a wonderful fellow. I think he's a great American, a patriot. I just think that uh, America, it, in this next election, is looking for change. And you, I think these people represent it. Do you feel like he was really flustered last night or just tired? He, he looked seemed, like he was dead. He seemed worn down to me. Well, 
if you've been to the Reagan Library, that whole window, that whole area behind them is is open glass. The the lighting was terrible mm-hmm. for everybody, and and uh, it, it uh, the, the lighting was terrible, I'm and it didn't about help his anybody. Energy level, though. Well, I'm I talking think. About- yeah, I'm talking about his face. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it's compared to Nikki Haley, mm-hmm. who was on fire last night, yeah. it, it's a terrible comparison. All right, let's get to some local stuff. There mm-hmm. was that article, Casey and I touched on it earlier in the show, about our old pal, Lockdown McGee, High Tax Holcomb, whatever we're calling him today. And he was in the uh, Indiana Business Journal, and he was asked about his COVID response and if he had any regrets and the, I mean, the answer to me is just why I loathe this guy more than I could ever express if you gave me nine hours on this radio show, because he's totally flippant. He takes no responsibility. He has no empathy for what he did to people. And he's basically like, yeah, no regrets whatsoever. I, I was just, just seething at this response. You're a much nicer person than me. What say you? Well, for our listening audience, this is the Biodefense bio Commission that uh, our a favorite daughter uh, is Susan Brooks, a former member of Congress, Susan Brooks, and she's a part of this commission. And this is the start of an action action an after action report for what happened in 2020, 2021. And this commission's been in, in, in gear for a long time. They actually had a report of what we should be doing in a pandemic situation. And nobody listened to them. Nobody read the booklet. I've read the booklet. And, and what, what I would have, I wasn't there, so I didn't hear all of his remarks, but if I was in that situation, I would say, I didn't have any regrets because we were, we were, it's on the fly. We were getting information from a lot of different places. But what I would say is that crisis communication is the essence of a a, a pandemic or any crisis in government. This is what I would do. This is what I suggest for the next governor. And I didn't hear that. Maybe maybe it was. Maybe it'll come in out in the report. But the bottom line is, ladies and gentlemen, we need to know what's going to happen if another riot happens, if, if another pandemic happens with an illness, and, and how the governor who was in the seat at that time uh, you know, it, it, I don't I, I don't expect him to do any regrets because politicians don't do that. But I would say these are the things we did. This is what I wish we would have done. This is to make us all safe in the future. This is what I suggest for the next governor. Yeah. So here's the quote, quote, I don't have any regrets because I was operating with the information I had at the time. I get it. Teach their own. Everyone's got an opinion. I'm comfortable with the decisions that we made. Put yourself in the situation where you have multiple experts not agreeing with one another, and then you have to make the decision. And I was very comfortable. I slept well every night, Mm. even though it was a very heavy time for our state and nation. (laughs) Yeah, a-hole, you did sleep well because you kept getting your six-figure salary with all your benefits and your taxpayer-funded house, and to be totally flippant and dismissive. It'd be one thing if he if he said, well, you know, I did the best I could, but clearly we screwed up with A, B, and C, and I regret that. To act like the million people out of work, the tens of thousands of people who got their businesses shut down, calling people a human Petri dish, all the egregious things that guy did— and much of it, there's not one thing he can point to to go, that saved your life. There's nothing he can point to that, say, that says that he saved a single solitary life. It is just 
What a just a completely dismissive piece of garbage. Well, well it also, not to pile on, but to pile no, on, pile I guess. No, pile on. Keep going. No, are, you're come to the right place. There are 150 people in the legislature. Those are your boots on the ground. And they're in the gyms. They're in the grocery stores. They're in the churches. And they have feedback. And and the, and what, what I would have done is had a communication, because only 65% of Indiana has broadband access. Have a calling tree. Talk with the legislatures and legislators and and let them know what you're doing and and why you're doing it and let them be the communication device republican and democrat because that was a that was a bipartisan uh bipartisan issue because everybody in indiana was affected by it all 6.6 million users because of him you said everybody was in the gyms and in the churches talking they actually weren't in the gyms and the churches because they were closed but he said he had multiple (laughs) experts weighing in on at the time Mm -hmm. do you think that that was somewhat of an indictment on trump or like a blame game like it wasn't me i think it was an indictment that we don't have a clear uh crisis communication system in the state of Indiana where you have all those individuals but they are are um, they're crisis communicators that everybody like for instance homeland security we never really heard about homeland security that department at that that time we always heard about the department of health but i think there has to be in the federal government and in state government some sort of health commission that everybody has confidence in that it, the credibility says that this commission this in, this individual uh, that that people trust mm-hmm. That it, the the soil isn't poisoned on a, a tree of confidence that that people would say, I believe that guy. There was one other agency that I heard a lot from, and maybe it was just because of broadcasting, and that was FEMA. I'm sure Rob heard from FEMA a lot too. Well, FEMA's got- FEMA's overworked. They don't have the. They don't have the ability. The, the state of Florida has something called Volunteer Florida, and it's almost like a telephone tree. It's volunteers. It's people. It's almost like the Red Cross. And when there's a hurricane, everybody knows what to do because of Volunteer Florida. We need Volunteer Indiana, which is it's, it, it just is the Red Cross. But we need volunteers that people trust in their community that when they say, oh, you got to go inside, people believe it. So something other than Waffle House. Yeah, exactly. And and the other part of this is we were reading the data on a daily basis, and two weeks or three weeks into this thing, it became abundantly clear, which is what played out over the next two years, who was potentially vulnerable, that if you had a certain set of comorbidities or you were of a certain age, you probably better be a little more guarded with this. But if you were me, which is a mid-30-something healthy man, there was no reason for me not to be at work and for him to act like, well, we were just going with the information given to us. No, you weren't. Because well, you, the radio guy was telling people what was going on and I was right and you were wrong and I shouldn't be that smart to be right. You have all these scientists and doctors and everything else around you and act like, we had no idea. Your own data was telling you on the state website what was happening. Rob, good leaders have core principles, but there's also a nuance. There's always a flexibility and you've got to be ready for the next step. And, and, and what 
what what we need from our leaders in the big in the in the future is somebody that everybody knows where they're coming from but also when if new information comes on 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 the scene as you're talking about you've got to be flexible to to um, shift gears and move in that direction that that's not being mealy mouth that's not being mushy that's about leadership and understanding facts uh, and, and 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 having the the guts and the courage to to uh, change directions uh, according to what you know you're being told and 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 obviously they're flying blind but you've got to be able to to lead people and and articulate a, a vision uh for the moment and be ready to say oh we've learned more uh and and ron and, desantis it, did that in florida mm-hmm. yeah he, he learned did. more and he opened everything back up yeah and, and that's exactly that's great leadership where you you learn something and and, and people are safe if they go outside if they converse and and uh a lot of our leaders on the, in the state and in the, the national scene just didn't have that flexibility. All right. Uh, this has been another award-worthy segment that you always do with us. So for that, we allow you to promote whatever you're doing these days. Tell us all about <laughs> well, you. Well, you can find me at Jim underline merit yes, uh, on twitter that. thank you gabriel and second of all we have merit in the morning where dave colt who was there in the beginning of sun king and is going to talk about the past of sun king and the future of it on merit in the morning and my son's getting married this weekend how exciting is that so first of all i love the merit in the morning podcast because you go from one week it's curtis hill mm-hmm. To the next week, it's hey, this guy was big into booze. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. And Jefferson Shreve in October. Uh, and and congratulations to your son. That's very exciting. Yeah, and it's a great weekend. We love you, Merritt. You're the best. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. It is 10:47. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hammer joins us in the studio from the Hammer and Nigel program. Cubs stink. They do. The bullpen is atrocious. The Cubs bullpen, is it equal or less than the experience of watching that debate last night? (laughs) My dad and I, and dad and I both are on the boycott this year because of these stupid rule changes and they've ruined baseball. You hear that, Phil Sanchez? They've ruined baseball. (laughs) And we were laughing last night about, we don't care at all because we haven't watched these games, so we have no investment. But we would be on the floor crying if it was a regular season, like, it, you know, in the, I mean, it is a regular yeah, season, but I mean, like it what for us, like where you watch the whole year and you're totally into it. And part of it is they won a World Series. So, you know, whatever. Right. But it's like the Cubs just find ways to make you feel horrific about your humanity. So the other night, and again, these are games they have to win. Yes. They are in a playoff chase. It's the final week of the season. They're competing for that final wild card spot. And like every bit of my Cubs memories came back to me the other mm-hmm. night oh, yeah. when Suzuki drops a fly ball <laughs> in the outfield and two runs score. My eyes aren't too good. Is that Keith Moreland out there? I can't tell. Like that's the kind of stuff that would always happen prior to 2016, yeah, right? Yeah. Whether it's the ball between Durham's legs, whether it's Steve Bartman, Brant whether Brown. it's Brant Brown, yeah. the black cat running in front of Ron yeah. Santo. There's always something, right? And that drop ball by Suzuki the other night, after the Cubs led six to nothing and crapped the bed, that brought back a lot of memories. Like, I looked at Jacob, my youngest one. We were in the house, and I was like, that's what I had growing up yeah. right there. Yeah, and it's just... Uh I'm just thankful I don't have to care anymore. So uh, 
enjoy your misery on your own, buddy. I enjoyed misery for 40 years. I love you think you're giving me a lecture. It's like me telling you as a Bears fan, your quarterback's not very good. You think? Welcome to the party, Bal. Uh, hey, uh, the debate last night, I know you were uh, even less impressed than we were with it. That thing was a turd. Like, I don't throw that word around loosely because I save it for things that actually warrant it. Yeah. That was a turd. It was awful, wasn't it? Was it the two minutes of the candidates talking over each other? Was it the production value? Was it the moderators? Well, it's a little bit of the first two things that you mentioned right okay. there. I'm glad you bring that up because whoever the engineer was that's running the audio for this debate, yeah. just keep all of their microphones up all the time. Yeah, that's great. Because people were starting to you know bicker and fight. And to be honest, I'm kind of into that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to <laughs> hear who gets called a name and who gets called on their bull crap. But they turned their mics down, and they only turned it up when they heard some scuttlebutt. And by then, it's too late, and it sounded bad on the air. Just leave them turned up. And then you have the awful lighting situation. What was that? Like, that looked bad. Like, I know Mike Pence is not a tan man (laughs) by any means of the imagination. He's never going to get confused for George Hamilton, right? Right. (laughs) But even by Mike Pence standards, he looked like he had saw a ghost or a pair of boobies that weren't his wife's last night. (laughs) He was chalk. He was pasty. And I think it was the horrific lighting that was taking place. How about Mike Pence uh, saying that, you know, he's been sleeping with a teacher for 38 years? Hi-oh! And Pence tried to make another joke, like, right out of the gate. Like, the first thing he said was some sort of wacky zinger one-liner, and it just fell flat. And Mm -hmm. I started thinking to myself, who are these political advisors that are pulling Mike Pence over before the debate and say, all right, tonight, the world is going to meet wacky Mike Pence. (laughs) Wacky Mike Pence. You need to be personable. Right. That's how we're going to chip away at Donald Trump's lead. Hammer, we have a name for those people on this show. They're called the Gravy Train Brigade because they have been, uh, many of them, earning their livings for 30 plus years off the idea and hope that Mike Pence brought. And, you know, it's every band has a farewell tour. This is the farewell (laughs) tour for the Gravy Train Brigade. These are the same people that advised him Signing then backing out of Riffra was a good idea. These are the same underachievers who said the just in thing was a good idea. Mike Pence has had the same people around him the entire time. Where are all these strong political advisors at, right? Like, so I've been binge watching the show Succession lately. Oh, yeah. I've been into Succession. Shiv would not have allowed that to happen, right? <laughs> Her character would say, no, you're not being wacky, Mike Pence, tonight. This is what you're going to say. This is how it's going to work. Trust me. And think of all the money. Like, think about how much money the big guy has made off Shreve. And he's and when you say the big guy, we're not talking about Joe Biden. We're talking about the guy that has the weight issue. Yeah, yes. The the the, uh, the, the he is a well-fed right. fella. The man with multiple chins. <laughs> and you can say this because you're a fat person. Right, right. I'm part of the fat community. I can rip my own. Yeah. Um, <laughs> think about how much the big guy has probably made giving Jefferson Shreve just horrific advice. Bad advice. And they're still sending these mailers out. People were sending them yesterday on the uh, steal your guns as a law-abiding gun owner. Like, mm-hmm. uh, So what does that tell you, though, right? Because Nigel and I talked about this yesterday after you texted us that that almost against his will, he's running these commercials, where was Joe Hawks yes. during the riots? But even during that which he should have been doing from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. even during this now, he's still sending out mailers, but it's okay, it's still about guns, those evil gun owners. Like, what are you doing? And and Abdul is going to be with us next hour. 
The poll that he has commissioned is done. Uh, he's not going to release the results today, but we're going to talk about it. And having s- no, no, having having known, having knowing, I know, I know That's the result good. of that the. It's like part- Biden's here. What <laughs> the hell's going to on? Out what the correct yeah, grammar and was? And he did so good the other day with no no cards or anything. Talked for thirty <laughs> minutes straight, and it was fantastic. You just would have let him go a little longer, Casey. We would have got a happy birthday velvet out of him. <laughs> well, I'm trying to figure out what the correct <laughs> grammatical way to say that was. I know the results of the most important parts of the poll. You know the thing. And yes, I know the thing. And the crazy thing is, he is being punished for doing the most stupid thing he could have done, and he's still doing it. <laughs> so again, my son is studying political science, my oldest yep. in college. And I talked to him last night. It's like, if you mm-hmm. ever become in a position where you're the political advisor you're the chief of staff you are not going to be these butt sniffers here like your talent will be what people gravitate to you don't have to be to use your term rob the gravy trainer that hitches your wagon to some zero yeah i mean and i'll be happy to help him and i don't know if you know i've got a pretty good track record of winning and every time i'm involved in something people tell me no one likes me and i'm gonna lose and then we win this is not hard these people who are leeches and life suckers and aren't very good at their job, they make a gajillion dollars. We should start a service. The Hammer and Kendall Political Advice Company. <laughs> I'm still waiting out for somebody to reach out to us for debate prep. Yeah. Because that's a service that you and I offer, Rob. And if you're a candidate that has a debate coming up, who better to grill you yeah. and get you ready and bring the heat than you and I? You know, Two debates in a row, or two elections in a row, the Libertarian cost himself tens of thousands of votes by not following our advice. Remember, lockdown McGee in 2020 with uh, Rainwater. People were waiting for that. They were just on the edge of their seats, and he never did it. You could have been the Libertarian that trended nationwide. Yep. Yep. Like, it would have been in, like, the Washington Post and the New York Times, and all the Libertarians around the country had been like, all right, somebody's fighting back. We're not just here to get our brains beat in yep. anymore. But he didn't. Yeah, so uh, nobody listens to us, and that's why they don't win. So, exactly, uh, exactly. Uh, okay, so you uh, now, have you made a decision on who you like in the in the Republican primary to bring this full circle? Do you, is it, tr- are you Trump? Are you, I mean, I, I mean, it's two things, right? I think DeSantis would govern the best, yeah. mm-hmm. but I don't think he can win because he's not very charismatic and the presidential election is American Idol. It doesn't matter your talent level. You have to have the look and the zingers and the crowd and all that kind of stuff. So that's Donald Trump. And if Trump is the nominee, I will vote for him for a third time. Okay, yeah. So I asked my dad this last night because I think we are in agreement with you on this. Why do people not like DeSantis? What is it about him that people don't like? He's not very personable, right? He's kind of awkward around people. Yeah. You get him behind a desk and you give him a, bunk of, a bunch of papers that say, fix this country, sign these executive orders. There's no doubt in my mind, Ron DeSantis would have that done probably better than anybody. But he's not like a wacky guy. He's not somebody that some of these stupid voters would say, I feel like I can't have a beer with him. Even though Ron DeSantis drinks beer, he doesn't come off that way, right? He's just not charismatic. And the presidential election is American Idol. You have to have a little bit that of... That sucks. That sucks something. that that's how we pick our can- our, our mm-hmm. public officials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Barack Obama won with a cool catchphrase and a crazy name, right? Barack Obama, hope and change. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know anything about him, but I like the sounds of that. (laughs) 
And Donald Trump, you know, he was the the flamethrower. This is the crazy guy. What do you have to lose? Which I thought was his best campaign phrase of all time. That was better than MAGA, right? What do you have to lose? And people said, all right, I'm going to give this guy a shot. That's where we're at right now. You can't just be a really good politician. What is coming up this afternoon on your very fabulous, award-winning, multi-talented afternoon show? So all of this debate stuff, right? You're going to go off the rails. Tudor Dixon's going to join us. Dr. Laura Wilson from UND. But also, the Marion County Sheriff's Department, we're just now finding out there was another guy they accidentally (laughs) let out. Oh, no. (laughs) Two in eight days. Oh, my gosh. So we're going to dive into that. Uh. Thanks, Hammer. (laughs) It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.